Warning! This episode of The Secret Cinema contains discussions of disturbing and adult content. So, heads up! It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. In the end, it will anyway. So let me in the fucking house! Open up your eyes, what you see? Welcome to The Secret Cinema, the offbeat film podcast that won't take advantage of your daughter. I'm Paolo Carone, my co-host is Carrie Chafee, and for the second time ever, we're joined by two guests, our composer and third official member of The Secret Cinema, Ricardo Ortiz, and fresh from her debut episode, friend of the podcast, Courtney Mandarino, for a discussion of James Foley's 1996 lurid thriller for dads, Fear. Sharp-eared listeners might have caught references to this, but this episode was the last of three episodes we recorded in an all-day marathon recording session, the other two being Apt Pupil and The Serpent and the Rainbow. For that reason, along with our collective enthusiasm over discussing fear, and Ricardo and I getting actively drunk during the recording, this is one of the more rambunctious discussions you're going to hear from us. It's still a good one, though. Anyway, here's Carrie with the plot summary. It started as many great romances do. With a chance glance across a crowded room, 16-year-old Nicole caught the eye of hunky 20-something David. They start dating and quickly fall in love. Nicole thinks that she's found the one, until David reveals who he truly is. Manipulative, possessive, and impulsively violent. Nicole's dad, Steve, steps in to help her push David away, but Steve learns that David is not the kind of guy who takes no for an answer. Will David finally give up the fight for Nicole's heart, or will Steve's greatest fear become reality? The character David, played by Mark Wahlberg, rapidly becomes such an over-the-top monster that the film's more horrific moments have a campy quality to them. This is heightened by the film's first act, which, while not excellently written, depicts David's romance with Nicole, played by Reese Witherspoon, as very grounded and gentle. In our first clip, a fairly straightforward romantic exchange between David and Nicole, you can hear David's nice guy routine and understand why Nicole would fall for him. Here's that clip. I was just thinking that, you know, you're not at all like what I expected you to be the first time I saw you. How so? I don't know, you're just... You're sweet. But... You're the one that's hiding something. It's just that I was taught that if something seems too good to be true, then it probably isn't. Yeah. So far, what I know about you is you're beautiful. Incredibly perceptive. I just need to know like one flaw so I can believe the rest. Get a week. I got all the time in the world. 
David, I gotta go. My curfew's at midnight. our second clip in which Nicole's father Steve, played by William Peterson, confronts David, should give you a sense of what David is actually like. Here's that clip. David, I don't want to beat around the bush. I came to tell you that you're going to stop seeing Nicole. Now, either you're as smart as you think you are and you'll just go away, or else you're going to make things a lot harder on yourself than they have to be. You know, Steve, you're really not a faggot. I'm serious. You seem like a pretty solid guy. You should lighten up on yourself. We're not talking about me. We're talking... Yes, we are. So that's what this whole thing's about, Steve. Your inadequacies, your fears. You just wait a minute. Now listen to me. See, I'm hip to your problems. All of them. I know you abandoned Nicole when she needed you most. Because I licked her sweet tears. I know about things coming apart at work. Maybe you fucking lost it in that department. I also know you ain't keeping up, so to speak, your end of the bargain with the missus. Because if you were, she wouldn't be all over my stick. But relax, Steve. We're friends. <laughs> We're practically family. I want you to understand something, pal. If you don't disappear from my family's life, I'm gonna rip your balls off and shove them so far up your ass, they'll come out your fucking mouth. You got that, my friend? After listening to that conversation, it might surprise you to know that Fear's screenplay is by far its weakest element. Our primary complaint is with the film's depictions of and attitudes toward women, which are exemplified by two characters, Nicole's friend Margot, played by Alyssa Milano, and Nicole's stepmother Laura, played by Amy Brenneman. In this clip from very early in the film, we get one of our only opportunities to get to know who Nicole and Margot are as characters, but the screenplay isn't really interested. As a bonus, this clip is the only scene with Margot's mom, who is rather efficiently excused from being involved in the plot. Here's that clip. Why not? I mean, who wouldn't want millions of guys fantasizing about them? It's power. It's nuts. What, it doesn't feel good to be wanted? Hey, what about Jason Fuller? He wants you bad. He doesn't want me, he just... I don't really know what he wants. Every time I go out with him, I kind of feel like I should be paid for babysitting. <laughs> Come with me tonight. There should be something going on down there. Uh, I told you I gotta do this family thing. Okay, I'm leaving now, you guys. There's food in the fridge and money in the counter, and if you need to reach me, I'll be at the St. Francis under Vince's name, okay? Okay, Mom. Be good. Love you. Who's Vince? Some old coot in San Francisco with a pup belly and a lot of dough. <laughs> he promised her a Mercedes, which means I get the rabbit. Don't you just love life? Nicole, your father's here to pick you up. Oh, yeah. Life's just great. And in our brief final clip, which takes place almost immediately after the romantic exchange between David and Nicole that I played a few minutes ago, Nicole arrives home late and her stepmother Laura is unsympathetic to say the least. 
Here's that clip, and we'll see you on the other side for a discussion of fear. Well, the least you could have done was call, Nicole. I was sitting here for two hours imagining God knows what. Laura, I can't help it if my watch broke. And I mean, I mean, how would I even notice unless I was staring at it every second? Go to bed, Nicole. We'll deal with this tomorrow. Laura! I'm angry, Nicole. Just go to bed. Take off your makeup. You look like a slut. for once guys two guests who are those two guests two guests we have ricardo ortiz our hello. lovely composer say hello hello again yes very nice <laughs> and also returning is courtney hello all right and what movie could we Hi. have four of us here Ooh. carrie is also here as Hi, always. yeah i'm here power <laughs> guests power guests power guests for a power movie a movie we like to call fear because it's called we fear we don't like yeah. to call it that <laughs> We have There's to There's so it many that. other better titles that I feel we've all come up with. Yes, we, we were thinking of some alternative titles before we started recording. We didn't tell you. I, I chose Finger Bang and the Gang. <laughs> uh, Mine no. was Rack Em Up. <laughs> Mine was Father Knows Best. <laughs> yes, I like that one Follow too. on the spot, off the cuff. Said Daddy's Girl. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, because uh, yeah, fear doesn't really tell you a lot about mm -hmm. the movie. No, Dang. but... Uh, I think that's for the best. <laughs> the surprises. <laughs> the, the, the roller coaster ride of this movie. Hey, uh, uh, spoiler alert. Best experience, blind. But <laughs> that deserves a clap. <laughs> Golf clap. Thank you. Good job. Uh, so this is a movie called Fear from director James Foley, uh, 1996. And Jimmy Foley. Jimmy Foley. Uh, he has directed many other things, which we will get into later. <laughs> I don't want to jump into <laughs> that one. But uh, let's start with you, Carrie. How do you with feel me? about fear? <laughs> what are your feelings? I, I'm do you have nothing to fear but fear itself? Truly. I'm pretty afraid of fear. Um, I mean, this is only my second time seeing this movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. It gets better with every viewing. <laughs> I feel it does. It doesn't get worse. No. <laughs> no, I can't imagine it would get worse. Because you just get more familiar with the fear. <laughs> so there's nothing to fear. Face your fear. Wow. Oh, beautiful. Gotta, gotta face it. It's a message of hope. Courtney. You, what do you think of this movie? I love this movie. <laughs> Even though, on the surface, I should absolutely hate this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everything about this movie basically goes against my personal beliefs and values. And just being a woman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my gender. Yeah, this I, movie hates you. It really does, and yet I can't help but love this yeah. movie. <laughs> I feel very conflicted about it. We'll get into it. Yeah, Ricardo. You can like movies and fundamentally disagree with how they portray people. I almost like movies I fundamentally yes, disagree me too. With. It's fascinating. Um, as a male, yeah, I don't personally take away any like <laughs> hatred from this but yeah i mean it doesn't necessarily portray males in a positive light in yeah. any way like any male figure in this with the exception of the like possibly gay friend um but it doesn't him being a good guy does not get rewarded no <laughs> just quite the least. opposite do you yeah. think this movie posits that the thing to fear is all humanity <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> white male humanity, <laughs> if I'm really reading into it. There you go. 
Basically, the best thing you can be in the universe of fear is a dog. And oh, no, 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 the dogs. No, are not no the scared. best thing you can be is Toby. Yeah. Toby, yeah, Toby. that's true. A little boy. Yeah, I, I gotta say, yeah, I, I, I actually increasingly enjoy this movie every time I watch it. But I remember, the, I, I saw it for the first time not that long ago, probably about like four or five years ago, oh. and I remember being like very, very ill. And just being like, hey, it's on Netflix. I've never seen this before. I was terrified of the poster as a child. Let's find out what this is about. And I remember the first time I watched it being like genuinely disgusted. But it was like, where are they going with this? And it just gets so much grosser and seamier as it goes on. But like afterwards, it's like, I was like, oh, I can't believe I, can't believe I watched that. I felt awful. And then I just... Keep watching it. That's a not untypical response. Yeah. I feel. And it is like it is like we're definitely gonna get into how it is like inherently offensive in a lot of ways, mm. but it is so well made and is so constantly entertaining. Surprisingly, yeah. So. Even its depiction of things where it's like I don't agree with this. It's like, but I love the way they're filming it. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, it's true. So where do we want to start? Oh man. This? Did you I ask Ricardo like, how he feels about this movie? Yeah, no, he, she, oh, yeah. He, yeah, he did. Um, let's talk about the daddy issues to start. Yeah, okay, I want to say just first off, I feel like this movie, if you're going to boil it down to one thing, it's the dad versus David, and the battlefield is Nicole. Her virginity, more specifically. Yeah. Where Which is way creepier than if it was a idea. Yeah. Because it like it would be one thing if the movie made the main character the, the daughter, <laughs> Reese Witherspoon is the main character, but it like emphatically makes you empathize with the dad and his like, oh my daughter is getting older and she's wearing shorter skirts and now she's seeing boys and I'm not the only man in her life and it's like this very very weird like it's it's something where it's like. I'm familiar with all the the signifiers Tropes. of this, yeah. and so it's like I can go along with it. But at the whole the whole way, I'm like, why on earth does this guy <laughs> care so much about this? Like, why is he like so upset about his daughter? But I guess that is a fairly uh, de depressingly to say it, it's fairly relatable for probably a lot of men. Well, in the and that's States. what one of the guy says yeah. to Reese Witherspoon's character is that all he wants is for you to be his little girl forever. Yeah, yeah, and that like almost acts as the thesis for the whole. Move. Yeah, she can't be a little girl forever. She has to find out that she, all men are just gonna run She's learned fear. Yeah, but it seemed like I was thinking about that towards the end of the movie. And is it is the fear of the title her fear or is it the dad's it's fear? Totally yeah, the dad's fear. yeah. <laughs> it's, totally it's the dad's. Yeah, I know. It might be the dog's fear. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but as none of us oh yeah let's not go there yet but, but none of us admittedly have kids true um, so that's very true it's not necessarily something you know <laughs> thank you for being honest um <laughs> about your non-secret kid uh, but, like, it's not something we can necessarily relate to yeah. as a father or mother figure. But at the same time, we can understand the struggle. Yeah. I mean, like, 
I understand, like, oh yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm confused was, about my child. It's a, there's the generational issues, and kids are har- hormonal. I thought the one scene, <laughs> there's a scene later in the movie where Alyssa Milano walks in crying, and even without, like, the context of that scene, I was like, yeah, this is believable that a teenager would show up at your house crying. You know, right. just let oh, it yeah. just like, yeah. whatever, it's my yeah. daughter's friend. Oh yeah, just let her in, buzz her in. <laughs> so it's like, it is, it's both, like, extremely, re- it, it, it has, like, a very extreme, relatable milieu and then it uses that that milieu to do this very disturbing psychological point of view about men and women and their relationship together and i'm trying to think of like just what's what is the what's how do they meet how do reese witherspoon well what's her name nicole and mark Wahlberg's character david meet what is the exact they meet uh at the fetish party. Yeah. No, they <laughs> before, spot each other before. from across the room. Right, but they, this, don't, they don't meet. No, but they, they see meet. each other yeah. from yeah. across the room Non-verbal. at this very strange place that's super packed at lunch hour that looks like a bar, but high school students also hang out there and get lunch there, and I they guess. Skip and they skip school to go there. Everyone's smoking there. And there's yes. billiards. So cool. And it was super packed in the middle of the day. Yeah. Very bizarre place. But they see each other across the room and then later at a party. You know what? I just realized that the guy... that Well, and and Mark Wahlberg is there with a guy whose name I never got, but we'll call him uh, (laughs) Greasy Guy. (laughs) Because that Greasy Guy leather jacket, long hair. I would call him Saul Poogan. Saul (laughs) Poogan. But Saul, when his first appearance, he's, he's at the pool table. And I remember, just to jump ahead a little bit, he owns a pool table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, they can easily be smoking and playing pool at home. They're like but they're man-made orphanage. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So Reese Witherspoon sees uh, Mark Wahlberg and he, in his tight black shirt. Also, Reese, his pecs. Reese Witherspoon's character is Nicole. Nicole. And Marky Mark is David. David. Mm-hmm. Yes. David. And the dad's Boston. name is whatever. And then Steve. Steve. Oh, it is Steve. It is Steve. <laughs> it is Steve's the, name written all over it. It's yeah. a bad Steve everywhere. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Steve. Um, and then the mom's name is... Laura? Laura? But is it the mom? Laura. It's the stepmom. Stepmom. Key point. And then little brother is Toby. Toby. Secret hero of the movie, but he basically is useless until the yeah, last Virtually no lines. Yeah. And then he has like a whistle he blows and then and the, the dog. Shepherd yeah. comes in later. Yeah. I think played, the dog's name is Kaiser. He's, he, he, plays, is. he does play Street Fighter. I think we can confirm yeah, that. They're bad at Street Fighter. very bad at Street Fighter. Um, well, yeah. Can't be good yet. He's very good. <laughs> yeah, practice. But he's good at real Street Fighter. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Involving cars. <laughs> but so Nicole and David see each other, and right around the time that they see each other, this like these flyers are being passed out for, as you said, this party called Fetish, and it is. <laughs> What, sort of not, like a rave-ish? Like, without the really, fetishism? Yeah. Like, yeah it's, it's like, like a 90s rave. It's, yeah. it's, like it's a, in a warehouse that ends up being a fight that evacuates the rave for some one reason. fight. I mean, yeah. I haven't been to a lot of raves in my time, but <laughs> yeah. one fight, I feel, wouldn't really break up an entire party. Yeah, because there were like hundreds of people. But it's like, yeah. and it's literally like, Alyssa Milano is dancing with Greaseball, 
And I think Greaseball headbutts somebody or somebody headbutts him and then the entire crowd unilaterally flees. <laughs> like everybody in every part of the room starts running in every direction. Which I call him Saul Boogan because he looks like Paul Rubin from Buffy the Vampire. The movie. Not the, not the show, but the movie event Buffy. For the fans out there. Yeah. But uh, before this rave falls apart, Nicole and David meet for the first time. But they don't dance. They're about to dance, but then they flee up to the rooftop, and uh, I think that's when we get the first of our... Off-skirts? Yeah. (laughs) First of many. He goes down the ladder first, and then he looks at her ass as she comes down the ladder. And a helicopter helpfully flies overhead yeah. to like, like <laughs> highlight the scene slash like kick up her clothes and hair a little bit. <laughs> Do you think there was a, a, a like a reason for that helicopter that they wrote out? Because helicopters are not cheap. No, no. and the party just fell apart. Right, like <laughs> yeah. two minutes ago. Assuming the fight what if is it was real. A, what if it was a news team? Hi, we're live here at the fetish party. <laughs> Seattle's fetish party has fallen apart. <laughs> yeah, we're the what happens next? So then, doesn't he like they they climb down, they drive somewhere secret oh, to the middle yeah. of nowhere? This man she doesn't know <laughs> to make a point. Yeah, drives her out to the middle of nowhere, just the two of them. Yeah. And, and uh, always a good idea. And he. I don't remember their conversations. There's something specific they say before he open mouth kisses her face. <laughs> her face. Like, <laughs> oh, like, I did write down something. Oh my god. Okay. When they he's like open mouth kissing her cheek. Which was a motif. Yeah. Yes, he open mouth kissed body parts of hers that were not her lips. There was an open mouth eyebrow yeah. kiss at one point. It makes a brown man blush. I just want to say a brown man. Okay, but after they're like macking on each other a little bit, she <laughs> tells him to stop because he's trying to like you know move his hand in places she doesn't want it to move, and he says she says something like, "Now you know one of my flaws or something." Yeah, something, that was yeah, it. something that was like it. that. And he he says, "That's not a flaw. It's another perfect thing for me to admire and respect." <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> I wrote. Ladies, don't fall for that line ever. Just as a PSA, that's bullshit. I wrote it down because I was like, what a line, yeah, man. Right? No. Jesus, and she fucking ate it up. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah, so then... Well, okay, so oh. key thing right after that is that she comes home late. She gets home late because... Uh, <laughs> His master manipulation of clocks comes into play. Yeah. So for the first time of many times, Mark Wahlberg... Physically changes the time on a watch to fuck with somebody. Basically, <laughs> first he, he basically Reese Witherspoon's like, "I gotta get home. My my parents are waiting for me." And he just like takes her watch and turns it back and is like, oh, "What a just... contrivance!" Yeah, we have all the time in the world. And then so when she gets it home, it can be any time we want. <laughs> <laughs> when she gets home, Laura is waiting up for her and. She, and Laura is mad because she showed up late. Calls her a slut. Calls her a slut and she's like, take off that makeup. It makes you look like a slut. Well, she's wearing a, a, a crop top and a skirt. And a super right. mini skirt. Yeah, and, yeah but the Not makeup. Not a lot of makeup, yeah. honestly. Yeah. But like the makeup, makeup is what made her look like a slut. Yeah. yeah. And, it, yeah, Laura, it, the key thing with that scene, though, is just that Laura 
does not seem to love Nicole yeah. at all. Like, at no She's, point in this movie yeah, does slut, she show affection. Slut shaming is usually not a good sign. Not from a stepmom. And the fact that she, it was just like an odd way for her to be so antagonistic. Yeah. Sort of out of nowhere. Because up to that point, she hadn't really shown any like animosity <laughs> yeah. toward Nicole in any way. Yeah. Really much of anything in any way. No. Yeah. I think she in fact defended her clothing when the father was saying like, oh, I don't know if I like what you're wearing because it was short or yeah, whatever. Yeah, you look like you're 12. You wore the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it was... <sighs> All right, so I, 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 I don't want to spoil this for the audience, but... What happens between this and the roller coaster scene? <laughs> Once the roller coaster scene shows up, I kind of just blank out. So, does anyone remember? How we get to that point? I don't think anything happens. <laughs> okay. Not really. I mean, the usual but... bullshit romancing, sort of courting kind of stuff. Yeah. Like the early, yeah, the first half an hour or so of the movie plays pretty normally. I feel more face licking. Was a part of yeah. that. Yeah, maybe. I think he, like, they were, like, she... making out under the Ferris wheel and all that bullshit. Yeah, yeah well, and so they, they get, uh, well, first, before anything happens, Wild Horses by, uh, the cover of so Wild Horses times. by the Sundays starts playing, and they, they really, they paid for that whole song, because... Oh, yeah. <laughs> they used it yeah. multiple times. And, but they specifically, they go to the, <sighs> David and Nicole go to a, uh, uh, some amusement park county fair or something. It has a wooden roller coaster. And they get on the roller coaster. And uh, I don't know. Who wants to describe this better than Me. I? Courtney does. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many things I want to talk about Good. in this two minutes of movie. <laughs> <laughs> so David finger bangs Nicole on this roller coaster. Hence my original title. <laughs> and it's, you know, this like soft sort of romantic music is playing over it so it's sort of I think meant to read like a tender scene for Nicole or I guess really like hot I guess yeah or romantic I guess because I think well I think for Nicole it is and I think for like a teenage girl who hasn't fooled around with a guy it's like clearly the first time she's done yeah, this kind yeah, of thing yeah. and it's this whole sexual awakening thing and, I mean, um, it's literally taking place on a roller coaster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which the logistics of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fingers. Oh, it's a metaphor. Yeah. It's a yeah. moment of poetic realism. Don't do this at home, kids. <laughs> is what we're trying to tell you. Do not go on the mantis. That's your point. <laughs> trying to shit. Oh shit! The mantis. You will get a UTI at the very least. Continue. Right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the things I want. Oh, the many things I want to say about this scene. First of all, for me personally, I love this movie. I first saw it shortly after it came out, so I was probably about 12 or 13. Um, so this was definitely the first time I had seen anything like this on film. This was before I had done anything like that. And you point um, out not a lot of fingering scenes And in as movies. Yes, that was my next point. Oh, is you never see that in movies. I tried to come up with other movies where you see a very obvious or apparent fingering and uh you don't i the only one i could come up with was cabin fever which if you've seen that movie yeah. you know that scene and it doesn't go well um, it's not romantic it's implied in the darjeeling no limited wild horses. yeah well, but did you guys get I, fingered i have to throw that in but there. do they but show it i don't think there is a thing they, they talk about it but Freddy they talk, got they, fingered but welcome to the dollhouse they talk about it but they don't show it mm. but as i believe you pointed out the race Crash movie, not oh, the, the fetish crash yeah. movie, but the 2000s best picture winner Crash uh, features as, as a pivotal moment. Is it Terrence Howard fingering Tandy Newton? 
I, something like I that. I feel like Zoe... Was it Tandy Newton is the main... Tandy Newton, because Matt Dillon shows up and he... As the cop. Yeah, yeah. so it is Tandy Newton. But yeah. it's like, ugh, that's like, that's the best we got. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. like, there's so few times. There's no good fingering the scenes. There aren't, and I think it's... So I kind of love that they have it in here. Yeah. Because that is a pretty good fingering scene. Yeah. It, a, is yeah, it? it is. B. Wait, what yeah. are this? What are the requisites for a good fingering scene? Let's let's dissect that. Oh, I okay. Romanticism. I don't mean to like hop on. Good Wooden no, roller please do because I really want a woman's yeah. perspective on this. For me personally, you, first of all, like we've already stated, you never see it. Yeah. So seeing it is a little bit of a treat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then, it's very clear that for Reese Witherspoon, she is enjoying it. And yeah. you yeah. also don't true. see that yes. very often. This is very true. That's a good valid point. Um, the other thing is, it's probably pretty exhilarating because, one, they're in public, and two, they're on a roller coaster. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm not, all saying, sorts of I'm not saying it's my cup of tea, <laughs> but I am saying that it's very clear that it's Reese Witherspoon's cup of tea. <laughs> For a price. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, no dog. But yeah, I thought that scene was great. I appreciate that they show it. That's a lot of, for most girls, that's like their first sexual experience. You never see it. Yeah. Okay, but from guys' perspective, that hand angle, though. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, can break well, a wrist. Even a woman yeah. understands that yeah, hand angle is all right. Hey, you gotta suspend some belief. <laughs> yeah, you know. Movie, it's not perfect. Movie magic. How many sex scenes have you seen where people, like, clearly didn't take their clothes off, but they're somehow having sex? <laughs> Come on. All right. Yeah. Like I said, it's poetic realism. Yeah. This is a moment of magic. Yeah. I don't think Marky Mark could have gotten his hand the way he had it, but... He's in good shape. You never know. Yeah, you you never know. It worked. Those Boston folk, they know a different route. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I have to immediately apologize to people of Boston, especially men folk. I I didn't make that based on truth. Um, But anyways, I digress. No experience. Let's talk uh, about moist, fleshy walls. <laughs> that's true. We're the not subject. there yet. Okay, sorry. <laughs> what? Okay. So they're on the roller coaster. He fingers her, and then they just stay on the roller coaster. Well, they can't get off. <laughs> <laughs> or can they? Or can they? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But oh, so after the roller coaster, what happened? I can't remember. I what think happened. the next big thing it's that a very happened. Well, okay, we should mention very important. Before is it before they go to the park that Mark Wahlberg fucks up the dance clock? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. It's actually right before he does that. Yeah. That he fucks up the dance Once again, his mastery of manipulating <laughs> also, time. Also, back on it, how does that matter? Like, yeah, what does that do? so it, many other ways to tell time, he pointed out. Yeah. It doesn't change that they're, like, if they stay out late. It's not, they're going to know. Like, they knew by 6.30 <laughs> yeah. that this was messed up. Also, what was he mailing out that, he's like, well, no, I'm, I'm waiting till last minute, but it's definitely going to get shipped <laughs> out. Holy shit, it's not 6.30 anymore? It's It's also, like, dark. It was so dark outside. (laughs) So, I don't know. Uh, But after that, after the fingering scene is... (laughs) Jesus Christ. Is when... Is that when Gary gets beaten up? 
Is that the next no. big thing that happens? No. Oh, well, actually... Not murder. No, that, oh, okay, yeah. Beaten <laughs> Beat, the no. shit out of. Donkey unexpected. punch. <laughs> Donkey punch, as you pointed out. But I, you know, for the viewers at home, that may have a different connotation. Um, All right. We should elaborate. Uh, so, the next, maybe the next day, uh, Nicole and, uh, by the way, Nicole's friend, she has two friends. She has a friend named Margot, played by Alyssa Milano, and she has a friend named Gary, played by question mark. <laughs> but, <laughs> Gary Garrison. Gary Garrison is her asexual friend, <laughs> who is just there to... Have like conversations Didn't to express. Did you get the feeling it. that he's like the understudy for Marky Mark? <laughs> <laughs> he tried out for the main role, but didn't quite get it. Oh. Yeah, they were gonna just originally just like digitally insert a Mark Wahlberg that was like the nice Mark Wahlberg over him, and it's like, oh, oh my technology God. doesn't exist yet. Twin fear. Oh man. Oh man. Curious case of oof, Benjamin Button, I guess. <laughs> um, but. What was I talking about? I totally forgot. Gary's role. Gary, Gary, okay, so Gary um, is just talking to Nicole, and they're walk, they walk out of school at the end of the day, and Nicole's waiting for David to pick her up, and Gary's going to say goodbye, so he hugs her right as David pulls up in his car, and as soon as David sees this, he jumps out of the car, runs full speed at Gary, and punches him in the back of the head. Some would say donkey style. Some, some would say donkey style. And as soon as he's on the ground, begins... Just kicking the shit out of Gary. <laughs> and, and not saying anything. No. But just... when he pushes Gary to the ground, he ends up elbowing. Is it elbowing? Uh, or does he hit her? A little both. Anyway, he hits Nicole and she ends up getting a black guy. Yeah. Mm. And so they don't want to be together anymore. She doesn't, she doesn't want to be with him. He yeah, he just beat the shit out of her yeah. best friend. Yeah, it's all a, of ten minutes. It's <laughs> yeah. a violent beating. It's a yes. yeah. yeah, that's traumatic. It's not like he punches him a couple times. Yeah. He no. kicks him full force I, repeatedly like, for like a solid two minutes. Yes, yes. and, and prior to this. The most violent thing we've seen him do is that scene where he's like, "Hey Nicole, give me a coke," or "Hey Nicole, we gotta we gotta be going, so we gotta hurry up." All right, like that's like the most it's got, and then just he just goes fucking nuts on Gary for this very obviously platonic. Hug. Yeah, you can't let guys. I have to say, as as a woman, the fact that Nicole's character forgives David, yeah. that's ridiculous. <laughs> If I saw a guy I was casually dating beat the shit out of one of my best friends, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. Right? Get out of my life. I Technically, wanna... she does do that. Yeah. Once yeah. again, all for all of ten minutes. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Does that happen after they have sex for the first time? I kind of think his first crazy shows up like... After you they've already right. had yeah, sex. You might be right. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because sometime between the roller coaster scene and this beatdown... There was a day where her parents were gone, so he comes over and they have sex. Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, okay. So there's absolutely no foreplay, except for... Oh, no. Or, I'm sorry, um, Carrie points out, he takes off her bra. Well, and we should emphasize, too, wasn't she... In a deep sleep, <laughs> she wakes up to see him shirtless in her yeah, bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> That's how it starts. Well, then he gets in the bed, oh, unbuttons the bra, unbuttons, unhooks the bra, oh. and <laughs> no, there's newbie. buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Unzips the bra, and then they just they they do it. <laughs> she loses her virginity like mm-hmm. that. What do they do? It. It. <laughs> oh, it's it. 
<laughs> what is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he leaves yeah <laughs> the end and that's the movie folks thanks for listening in. and so the fear is the fear of loneliness that we all experience when we are apart from our significant others um, but in fear 2 which we're going to describe now Mark is bad against everybody second half he decides to burn all the bridges really make it hard for Nicole really? to stay in love with yeah. him uh, so he beat up Gary. Well, he's an orphan. So oh, yeah. is he? Yeah. Oh. That's uh, that's another topic of discussion. <laughs> Orphans portrayed in this movie. Um, but I'm sorry, as I totally interrupted. As drug czars, yeah. Uh, <laughs> drug czars. <laughs> and yeah. pool players. Is that who he was living with? Like a house of orphans? It was like a house of man orphans. <laughs> or man orphans. Does someone like, actually know what the deal with that? Do you know what the deal with that house was? was? Somebody mentioned somebody's dad coming home and how they were going to be pissed. So I think somebody's mm. parent owned the house. But it was basically like... Was that called? Was it just called Pleasure Island in Pinocchio, where all the guys go and just it's a fucking dream world? Yeah, because they turn into donkeys. That's basically yes, but that didn't happen in this, unfortunately. Oh. That's basically what this house is, though. It's just this weird flop house with all these random twenty-something guys, guys hanging out. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's spray painted on everything. They Marky have... Mark is the brightest of the bunch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A bunch of rejects in the house, mm-hmm. and he's just and bad haircuts. He's handsome. Oof, they yeah. didn't even give him like the best bedroom. No, he no. sleeps oh, next yeah. to his own like photo. This is a rest photo. What's that called? Mug yeah. shot. Thank you. Oh, what yeah. happens next? Yeah. Yeah. So after yeah. after the beatdown, Reese does refuse to see him again. He sends her flowers. He sends her flowers. And the turning point actually was um her she gets in another fight with her dad because he starts lecturing her. She already knows she's done with this guy and he's kind of bad news. But then her dad starts saying, You can't see him. I tell you when you can leave the house and who you can hang out with and blah blah blah. But why? Because he's controlling. Because and he found the condom wrapper. Well, right. <laughs> he did that. <laughs> anyway, the point was that she, um, I think, was done with Marky Mark's character until her dad pushed her so hard, like, you can't do this. And then just teenage rebellion, yeah. like, you, you can't tell me. And then she Don't goes tell out. Me what I can't do. So she goes out to the track. Marky Mark had sent her flowers. I'm only going to call him Marky Mark. <laughs> and she threw him right in the trash. But then after the fight with her dad, she goes out and looks at the card. And there isn't a card. It's just their little photo strip of, you know, the fun time they had at the carnival. And, uh, you know, then she gets nostalgic and I guess forgives him because he shows back up. Yeah, the next day they're like yeah. swimming together. I don't with understand. Yeah. I don't understand the timeline of this movie at all. Because it seems like all these things happen the next day. Yeah, that's why it's really hard to kind of remember some of the scenes because nothing logistically follows one after another. It's just a series of moments until we get enough buildup of anger at Mark Wahlberg for the ending to happen. But um, I, I also, I feel like there's another scene we're missing too, just in between all of this. There's so many little things. Is it a dad cleavage? Well, the dad yeah. ends up confronting Marky Mark mm. and... Marky Mark says something to the effect of, like, I'm going to fuck your daughter and you're going to deal with it. And your wife wants to fuck me, too. Yeah. He, yeah. Oh, yeah. He says something about, like, She's your a... wife's all up on my stick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's how I refer to my Well, and does, wasn't he also trying to hint that, like, I, it seemed at first in that confrontation scene, like, Marky Mark was trying to tell the dad, like, 
Like, I know you want to fuck me. Like, it seemed like there was a little bit I of that at first. A little bit of and that. then it, like, slowly just, it was just like, he was like, how many ways can I attack his masculinity? Right. Just like, bam, bam, bam. Hit all of them on the other side. And, uh, yeah, it worked out. It made the dad pretty angry. <laughs> it didn't exactly accomplish. The dad was kind of unsettled by him. Like, he kind of, more so than just this guy's probably fucking my daughter or trying to. He, like, senses that something's off about yeah. this guy. And everyone else is just charmed by him because he's sweet with her little brother. He's sweet with her stepmom. Um, so... that I just remember the scene that we skipped, which is the stepmom telling Reese Witherspoon how to cover up the bruise. Mm. Just like another... Every scene with the stepmom is something where the stepmom is... Like, okay, this is one of the things we hinted at before, but the portrayal of women in this movie is terrible. And I think that we can take a moment to, like catch up on that Ugh. because Reese Witherspoon, I, she's essentially neutral because we're just seeing, she's, she's young. She's the audience member she's, where, like, basically you're supposed to be her. Or at she's, least the version. Yeah. She's the chaste version. She's yeah. the chaste character. But the two women that we get in the movie for the most part are Margot, Melissa, Alyssa Milano, who really wants to fuck Greaseball. Pretty <laughs> much anybody. anybody yeah. She hits on Every she hits on the dad. She hits on the dad, yeah. bends over in front of him in a skirt that barely she, covers her ass to begin with. Yeah. She hits on the little brother yeah, saying, yeah. when are you going to be old enough so I can ravage you? Yeah. She, she wants to screw basically everyone Anything. in this movie. Yeah. And Laura, every, she either the, basically, stepmom. the stepmom basically either doesn't really contribute anything or is like, uh, Nicole, you look like a slut. Or Nicole, you got a big black eye. Well, I'll show you how to conceal black yeah, eyes. I'm great at it. Like literally, no concern in her voice in the scene at all. Like uh, this is like. Well, and when Marky Mark shows back up, Laura says to the dad, "Would you rather she hides it from us? Right. Aren't you happy that she's just being honest instead of like I'm also concerned that." My stepdaughter is dating a guy who punched her in the face. Right. No. It's cool. He wrote me flowers. He showed me how to plant a tree. He threw me in the pool. It was yeah, so yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Stepmom should be really offended by this movie. It portrays them very poorly. All women should be offended by this movie. <laughs> <laughs> they really Fair. should be. Stepmom's like the movie Stepmom. Way more. That movie is so sad. <laughs> should be more like Serial Mom. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So where are we at? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> we just well, get to the part where Marky Mark and uh, Nicole are back together. What does he do to fuck it up? Yeah, he fucks it up again. And the thing he does, it well, he and the dad confront each other, and he fakes bruises. Oh, <laughs> I love that scene. Talk about it. We just okay. Yeah, so like. like there's a moment where the dad just kind of passively, well, not passively, because yeah. he's like telling him to stay away from my daughter, and like puts his finger on Marky Mark, and then, yeah, I'm gonna call him Marky Mark too. <laughs> and then like he walks away, and then Marky Mark just starts hitting him, starts beating him. That's what I'm doing right here. I'm beating him chest, and like it's like, why is he doing this? <laughs> like he doesn't make any sense. And then later on, Reese explains, "Oh, I saw what you did to him. He started, you know, he didn't have to tell me all the bruises that you put on him." And we're all like, oh. <laughs> That's yeah. why he was beating oh. his chest like a monkey. Yeah, because at first, you're watching this, it's like... It seems like he's like psyching he... himself up. Right. Like, all right, time to fight. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it reminded me of in Wolf of Wall Street when Matthew McConaughey is like, oh. 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 Yeah. Less musical. Yeah. yeah. But no, he wanted to bruise himself. Yeah. Wow, I kind of hit myself a lot. Careful now. Be careful. <laughs> 
But, uh, and then he gets, so he gets the bruises. Nicole goes home and says, Dad, I can't believe you did this to my boyfriend. I don't respect you anymore. I'm going off with him. Bye. And then she gets in the car with Marky Mark. They drive away. It seems like they get laid in his car. Yeah, what did they do then? There was more face. There was like more open mouth face kissing. Some uh, cheek licking. (laughs) Yeah, cheek licking, eyebrow touching. Yeah, all that. Perhaps licking. And then she goes back home and she's like so happy and she doesn't want to go inside because she doesn't want the night to end. And so she gets in the car and drives over to Marky Mark's house. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Much to her own dismay. So she hears a party going on in the Pleasure Island Flophouse. <laughs> and she, see, she goes around back and sees through the window her slutty friend who's been fucking Greaseball, <laughs> Alyssa Milano. <laughs> like, and she's like grinding on him while he does drugs. She's wearing, yeah. she's wearing just like a thong yeah. and like a bra. She's and wearing like a showgirls outfit. Kind yeah. of giving him a lap dance. She's grinding all over on this well, guy. Well, smoking pot, which apparently is the root of all evil, according <laughs> yeah. to this movie. And. Didn't you know? I did. <laughs> and Marky Mark just comes over to her and like tell, like kind of kisses her, and then grabs her by the hair and forces her to tell the other guy that she wants to fuck Marky Mark instead, and then like throws her over his shoulders, like grabs her ass real hard, yeah. and like walks away. Reese Witherspoon is watching this whole thing through the window, horrified, as right. she should be, because her boyfriend is about to rape her best friend. Yep. Also, but what does she do? What is her response? Is it to be mad at Marky Mark? No, it's to be the best reverse driver in the history of film. <laughs> <laughs> she pulls out that driveway better than any person in reverse. <laughs> also, I, I can't help but think when I saw that scene of him saying, like, like, Margo, you tell him that you want to fuck me. And it just seemed like that is Mark Wahlberg's character's thing, is to be like, I want you to tell another man <laughs> that you prefer me to him. Like, that's his specific fetish. But I wonder oh, if there's yeah. a back and forth with those guys, because Greaseball also, like, gave weird eyes at Reese Witherspoon yeah. more than once. Like, while but, he was making out with her friend, he, like, kind of points at her. Yeah, he just... And, like, there's, like, a weird... <laughs> There's a and lot of that. Like, Mark Mulder, he licks the side of Reese Witherspoon's face while staring at her dad. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, What was that all about? It's just, like, it's just, like, territorial pissing all over the damn <laughs> <Yeah>. place. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, yeah. Yeah, and so after she sees her boy, well, ex-boyfriend and her best friend, um, canoodling, <laughs> a noodle. Wow. That's, a That's st- what we're calling rape piece <laughs> Damn. Enough light. Uh, Canoodling is what they call rape for like the 1910s. <laughs> ah, a noodle up in hell. I'll be two bits again. Attempted canoodling. I was okay, trying to move dark. fast. I was yeah. trying to move fast the rape. <laughs> Sorry. Canoodling was probably not the best word. Alright, well, so she got raped. You want me to say that? And they yeah. don't oh, show yeah. it. I Thankfully. In all fairness, this is the moment the movie chooses to be tactful. Is yeah, like, like that's the, true. The full extent of the, like, as much of the rape as we have to see is him saying, like, tell him that you want to fuck me. Like, and then he grabs her and carries her away. Like, and then it's just, like, implied. We see her reaction to it. It's, like, the rare moment where the movie actually kind of respects the women a little bit. Uh, just for a little bit. No, no, no. No, no, I mean, no. just like in terms, I, respects it, the yeah. audience maybe I to not say, make us sit through a rape scene. Yeah, 
Yeah, because do you think men want to see that follow-up? No, I'm just saying, like, my, my only point... I'm not saying it's great. I'm just saying my point is that if you're going to have this type of movie where some of the stuff that is coming up happens and you have a graphic finger bang scene, like a very graphic scene, the movie is like, but you know what? That was at least pleasurable for her. Like, we don't want to see these characters suffer. That's all I'm saying. It likes them, it respects them enough to be like, well, you don't want to see but them then suffer. But then, in the next, see them but then in the next scene, Nicole slut shames Margo. Margo. She's like, you know what you did. Yeah, she gets really angry at her friend, even though she saw the entire yes. situation. Yes. Yeah. So that's super fucked as well. Yeah, yeah. super fucked. Yeah. Women only care about the men in their lives. Oh, yeah. Not the and other d- women in their lives. films, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which is something you brought up while yes. watching. I, uh, I had, I, a long time ago, I wrote down a list of traits that you can see in basically every James Foley movie, and... Uh, one of the things is that women are always pawns in men's games, but also that masculinity always leads to violence. The more masculine it gets, the more violent it gets. Like, it's like, it's directly related in all of his movies. I mean, Glendry Glen Ross, uh, The Chamber, The Corrupter, all this stuff. Uh, but also just the, the fact that, like, women are terribly portrayed. Like, James Foley really is very, very bad with women. And his best movie is Glendry Glenn Ross because Glendry Glenn Ross has no women in it. <laughs> and it's not because the women make it bad, it's because the second a woman is in it, you're like, oh, that's his weak spot. <laughs> it's yeah. like if a director was bad with lighting. Like, there's a filmmaker who just could not make a shot look good if it was about, like, like one specific thing, and you're like, okay, so he can't film this type of action, or he can't film this type of scene. James Foley cannot handle women doing anything and <laughs> portray it well. He doesn't have any women-centric movies, does he? Well, he has that Madonna Griffin Dunn movie. That movie sucks. <laughs> well, it sucks. What is it, Sex Lies the Videotape? It's called Who's That Girl? Oh, and geez. it's basically what it's 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 basically bringing up baby, uh, but if Madonna was Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant was insult. Griffin Dunn. It's I'm saying I will go over that movie. And, um, <laughs> sorry, that was I, terrible. I think this is a, a decent time to bring up that his other, I wouldn't call it female-centric movie, is that James Foley recently has inherited the role of directing the Fifty Shades movies. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah, Paul, you have personal experience with this movie. Yes, I do, because when Carrie had a very long Skype call one day, I decided to go see Fifty Shades Darker. <laughs> Alone! And, and Alone. all famous, in, for, in my defense, like I said, I'm interested in this director, and there was, there was the only option. There's also, literally no other <laughs> this time. Also, it was cheap night. It was cheap night. I didn't pay much for this movie. But Fifty Shades Darker is easily one of the bottom 20 movies I've ever seen. <laughs> it is awful. That's saying a lot. Yeah. You've seen yeah. a lot of movies. I've thousands of Fifty Shades Darker is worse than Gryffindor's Tribe. Wow. Easily. Wow. Like, really bad. Listen to the podcast. Gryffindor's Tribe is more racist, but it has... It is, it, is ma- it is a movie. It is a movie with a plot and scenes. <laughs> like a screenplay. <laughs> like, and Fifty Shades Darker is bafflingly inept. 
And there's this one specific section of the movie that is genuinely the worst scene I've ever seen in, a, in like, a, a reasonable budget movie. Like, uh, the worst scene in a movie with a budget over $100. <laughs> <laughs> and it is... Point is, James fully terrible for women. Not a filmmaker for women. I forgot this wasn't the Fifty Shades podcast for a second. I thought you were going to say Broke he ended sweat. up ha- having sex with her on top of a volcano or something. Oh, if only... I would have loved that, but no. Um, they didn't like have it real was, sex. It would have right? been hot. No, their sex was so bad. The sex was terrible in that movie. It was not good. But let's move on. Sex is terrible in this movie too. Oh, so, great! Yeah. But it's way worse in Fifty Shades of Grey simply for the fact that it's supposed to be good. Like the people in the sex are supposed to be enjoying it. There's not supposed to be a crime happening, and it is still <laughs> appalling. Um, all right, where were we in fear? <laughs> we're, we're, mm. we're talking uh, the lack of well like love and virginity and, love and virginity well like to talk about Reese Witherspoon's virginal character when the dad breaks into Marky Mark's squat house like Reese Witherspoon's face is superimposed upon the Virgin Mary yeah like Let's talk about that for a oh, second. Well, that and the fact that in a locked box, there's a picture of the family, but the dad's head, which we mentioned the dad is William Peterson. Yes, uh, CSI fame. Uh, CSI, uh, Manhunter, to live and die in LA. But he, the dad, when he goes into the house, he goes in the lockbox and, and Mark Mark's room, it's the family, and his head has been replaced with Mark Wahlberg's head. <laughs> Super creepy. How did he get a picture so good? It was good? really did, good. Wait, it looks did Michael yet. Scott do that on The Office? <laughs> That's, the, Michael Scott totally did that. <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend he was going to go on vacation with. Uh, yeah, all right. What? Parallels. Yeah, <laughs> So yeah, Mark Wahlberg is as evil as Michael Scott. Uh, (laughs) I don't think so. Interesting comparison. (laughs) Alright. So, So, okay, but before even that happens, (laughs) Reese Witherspoon, she, like, officially breaks up with Marky Mark, and she slut-shames her friend, and, you know, tell, and Marky Mark then, like, goes to school and confronts her, and he's like, hey, baby, what's up? And she's like, ah! 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 She's screaming. Gary comes to her rescue, and he's like, get away from her. She doesn't want to be around you. Cut to Gary's walking home, and Marky Mark finds him, and then Marky Mark snaps his neck. Right? Yeah. Yeah, takes him to the woods. But he does that. That's where he has this long, this little monologue to Gary where he's like, you know, Gary, I've been a lot of places. I've been to Rikers, and I've been in this. It's like prisons, right? Yeah. He's yeah. in prisons, and yeah. he's like, and I kept, when I would be in there, I'd just punch the walls, and I'd punch right through the walls, and so they'd move me into a new room, and I just kept punching through so many walls, they stopped building the walls, and let me just like, go outside. So <laughs> you sound like Eminem. It's something like that. But hey, I don't want to talk about it. I guess I would say, I'm not going to do the <laughs> but that's where moist, fleshy walls yeah. comes into play. But uh, yeah, he say he says that like, but even outside of prison, there's still there's still walls. There's moist, fleshy walls between me and who Is I love. Is he talking about her like like hymen? No, he's, he's talking, talking about Gary. He's talking about No, wait, that's a great in. But like, is he thought. talking about her? No, he's no. talking about okay. the dad and Gary and... No, I mean the moist, fleshy I'm walls. saying from a Freudian perspective, yeah. I feel he's talking about her hymen. That was the... She's portrayed as Gross. virginal. All right. You know, and like, really? literally, per, like, superimposed on the Virgin Mary, 
like moist, fleshy walls. I don't think it's totally out of character to say that he yeah. was talking about her. I know. It just especially in the co- in the in the context of like punching through prison walls and then punching through moist fleshy walls. <laughs> it doesn't seem like he's like punching through her hive. <laughs> wait, wait. Once again, though. Once again, he You're leaves a note on his on her dad's car, which he beats up his Mustang, like '57 Mustang. It's super nice. I busted both your cherries. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. That, like, once ago, points at the moist, right. fleshy walls as a virginal sort of, like, stepping stone. Yeah. I mean, or... I can't deny it. What? <laughs> what is this? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, how much mileage do they get out of the Wild Horses and Bush? They play Wild Horses twice. They play... Don't Little they play things. two different Bush songs, but yeah. one of them twice? Yes. Little Things play yeah. twice. Machine Head? Was it? No. Oh, yeah. Come Down. Come nice. Down yeah. was the other one. Yeah. <laughs> what what happened to the Bush? Time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the 2000s. <laughs> other good music. There's so many answers to this question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Gavin Rossi. <laughs> I have to admit, my first concert was Bush Goo Goo Dolls and No Doubt. Ooh, no Bush, Doubt. Yeah, it was No Doubt the best concert. <laughs> uh, insert joke about Goo Goo Dolls here. Um, so, after, okay, so basically... So he kills Gary. He kills Gary. Does he then get into the car chase with Melissa Milano? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, almost immediately, right? Yeah. Well, she goes to... She goes, well, actually, no, because it's after Alyssa Milano shows up and gets slut-shamed. Yeah, That the totally. car chase happens. No, he's killing Gary at the same time she's getting slut-shamed. Yeah. 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 And then... And then they meet up on the highway. On accident. I'm told yeah. life is a highway. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to ride it on that rock? <laughs> I, not if Marky Mark is on that highway. <laughs> So, Alyssa Milano gets pushed off the road, basically, by Marky Mark. He gets out of the car, and he's like, what'd you do? What'd you do? And she says nothing, and then he lets her go? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't remember how that that scene finishes. Yeah. Yeah. He lets her go. He basically lets her go. Yeah, he threatens her. Yeah. And then lets her go. Yeah. Okay, then she shows up back at Nicole's house, and that's when she's just crying. She's like, Gary's dead. And then that basically is what leads into the last 20 minutes of the movie, where the movie goes totally fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then it becomes a home invasion movie. Yeah. Sure. Oh, but it's so good. All right, who wants to, who wants to set this up? Or like describe it a little I bit? I want to talk about the ineffective guard. Who yeah. Who's like guarding this gated community, but... How'd they even get in in the first place? Exactly. Yeah, past the guard? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, and why was he, okay, ultimately dual-wielding guns? <laughs> <laughs> like, most guards in gated communities have a flashlight at best. Or a taser. Or a taser, a maybe. Gun. Yeah. But Talk not dual-wielding pistols. Did that guy die? He did. Yes. Oh, man. And it's Seattle, too. We should emphasize, this is not a city. Seattle is not a city where... You have d- double armed security guards <laughs> guarding your house. Right. I think I can safely stereotype Seattle. Unless you're Bill Gates, doesn't he live out there? He does. Yeah, yeah. armed AK-47 guards. He just he just has robots that shoot people at will. It's Asimov, yeah. All right, but <laughs> there's a giant. There's basically the movie ends with this ridiculous home, uh, home invasion battle scene where it's. 
the it's the family and Margot versus the five scuzzballs led by Marky Mark. And at some point, briefly, a guard shows up and then is murdered. But uh, at the very beginning of the scene is my favorite horrific moment in this movie, which is, as mentioned previously, there is a dog. And uh, oh. does anyone remember oh, what the dog's yeah. name was? Kaiser. 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 Which we posit Sose was the last Yes. Name. Kaiser Sose the dog. Uh, the, when the, the, the evil boys show up, at the house to basically kill That's everybody. a great alternate title. The Evil Boys? Yes. I don't know. But it also brings up Toby's fascination with his dog whistle. Yeah. So the dog is outside and the they call the boys, the evil boys call him over, and then it cuts back inside the house where everyone is unaware. The little boy is just blowing his dog whistle over and over again, and it cuts to the doggy door for a second, and we start to see the nose of the dog's mm-hmm. head come through the door, cuts back to the boy, cuts back to what we see is clearly a human arms shoving a dismembered dog head through the door in, like, a clear w- a- effort to be, like, oh, you think the dog's coming? Oh, of course! <laughs> oh, just his head! <laughs> And I remember, that was the moment I remember when I was watching this for the first time, really sick, where I was like, oh my god. <laughs> this is Yeah, why is that your favorite part? Because it is, like, the moment that the movie just goes, like, so far. It's unhinged. <laughs> it just is like, alright, yeah. This is what, you know what you are, movie. <laughs> You're, this is basically, like, like, this very, very churched up exploitation. And that's like, I feel like no moment is more clear of that than just being like, fucking dog head. Like, this nice dog that we love is the nicest character in the whole movie. Yeah, besides Toby. Yeah, and then Toby has to take over once the dog... Maybe the the movie should have been about Toby and the dog and their their exchange (laughs) of info. When the dog is taken away, Toby is like, has to avenge him and... I would watch that movie. (laughs) This movie's so good. So good, though. Yeah. Like, I, I can't... I've seen this a number of times. I grew up with this film. I hate this film, but at the same time, I absolutely love this film with so much passion that I really can't quite pinpoint. I it's one I of those mean, guilty pleasures. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't have to watch the movie again to do the podcast. I'd remember every yeah. single moment of this film. So, folks at home, watch this film. Yeah. And I definitely shit all over James Foley earlier, but I should say that he is a very great visual director. He, like, really knows how to make these scenes impactful. And he doesn't waste shots. Mm -mm. This isn't, like... There, there aren't moments where like, why is he filming that? It's there's really everything that is crazy about it is in the subtext of the psychologist's movie, and that I'm sure the directing plays into that. But he is doing such a good job of like making this material interesting, even in the low lulling moments, the moments where it's supposed to be calm, and even the tonal shift is not unreasonable. Yeah, it's, it's not, believable. It's not dramatic from the opening, which is very normal, to the ending, which is totally crazy, but it does actually build towards it. I don't think it's perfect, but it's way better than most people would do. And the lighting is great, and shots are framed very interestingly. He is a really good director. You just can't handle women. Yeah, at all. He's a misogynist. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Get past that. He's great. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't say he's a misogynist. I think it's, it's just like out of his depth. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, it's like it's not like um, uh, Lake Butera's guy. Yeah, Neil Butte. Yeah, something like that. And he didn't write this either. 
Like we should, we should very emphasize that like this is some other this is a bad some bad screenwriter. Is this a maybe. book? Is this based off a book? No, um, the guy who wrote this he I looked I looked him up, but he didn't really have anything noteworthy. He wrote a bunch of TV. This is like one of the very last things he's credited as writing, but he's really not noteworthy. So it just is like just some thing where he I, I feel like maybe they, he was like hired to write a movie based on this premise like mm-hmm. like it's the 90s people are really protective of their daughters right now and <laughs> home invasion about that? there yeah. are so many movies like this too yeah. now i feel like the two the 2000s took this plot and exploded it right but this is unique upon its own i still feel like yeah because it, it it's more about the father-daughter relationship and well father-daughter boyfriend triangle it's, love. It's not the father, yeah. the father boyfriend. Unintended yeah. love triangle. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of those like stalker movies where someone just shows up and it's like, ah, what are you doing here? Right. Or other movies where the dad's like way more controlling of the daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't there a Tony Danza movie like that? She's out of control. The boss. <laughs> well, yeah. And she's, <laughs> she's also starring in this. Yeah. the boss. No, I'm just Actually, yeah, she's out of control is a good comparison because she's out of control is like an '80s comedy about how Tony Danza realizes that his teenage daughter is now fuckable and it makes him deeply uncomfortable. Like that is gross. amazing. It's so fucking gross. Does <laughs> like he end up like pretending to be her boyfriend at some No, point? I don't know what, what you're thinking of. But there's like a, there's scenes where like she's there at the beach and she is like she like drops her towel and she's in a bikini and her dad's like 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 watching her and she's like running in slow motion. He's yeah. like, oh my god, her boobs are bouncing, so he like covers her with a towel, but it's like constantly trying to put you in this point of view of like this dad sexualizing his own daughter. Oh and gross. this movie is is somehow less gross than she's had a But it's still doing that, but it's yeah. in a less gross way. Exactly. Yeah. I remembered what I was thinking about. It's, it's that gross. Catherine Heigl uh, Jean Van Damme movie. Oh, uh, uh, okay, what? Gerard Depardieu. I was gonna say, Jean Claude Van Damme, Captain Heigl. I want to see this movie. You think my father the hero? Yes. Isn't that where they like pretend to date? Yeah, it's a girl pretends to date her older French father. So wow. that she will impress somebody. And Gerard Depardieu of all people. He plays Kevin Heigl's father. I uh, don't... Yeah. Okay, so I've known some people in my life, some women I've dated, who had a Gerard de Verdun. No. <laughs> yeah, no. no, I'm not gonna lie. And like, oh. only in this moment do I'm like, huh. <laughs> there, There is a niche audience for this. Weird. Yeah. Some people who are like, wow, Green Card was a hot movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a niche audience. But I can't deny that that's out there, you know, for the, you know, hey, you know them types. Somebody for everyone. Right? Right? I hey. guess. Gerard Depardieu. Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, all right. Let's continue talking about the ending. Of here. <laughs> we have like ten more minutes of this movie to get through. Oh, so sweaty. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh. <laughs> You're getting heat with the fear. <laughs> okay. So where are we? At? The home invasion. Yeah. The home invasion. Oh, the dog's head has just hit the ground. Okay. Yes. Also, I think we kind of glossed the dogs over. Dogs hit the ground. <laughs> I'm a puddle meth fan, I can't. Ooh. It's a drowning pool song and you oh, know it. Oh, damn it. Sorry, <laughs> I'm busted. 
We glazed over something? We glossed over the fact that the, or we kind of, we kind of mentioned the fact that the father totally fucked up the Pleasure Island flop house. He oh, wrecked, yeah. he wrecked, he wrecked Marky Mark's room, but then he proceeded to wreck up everything in the house. Like, the guy's drum kit, their pool table, their art, art, I don't know. Whatever they had laying around. He destroyed. So when the guys all get home, and they're like, blah, who did this, blah, blah, blah. Marky Mark, like, had already been in his room and saw what had happened, and he's like, I know who did this. In his Boston accent. Yeah, let's go fuck up. Let's go fuck him up. And that's how he gets his whole crew involved in, like, attacking his ex-girlfriend's family and their home. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, Mark and his funky lunch. Yep. <laughs> Just park the car. Yeah, and then basically the movie becomes Assault at Precinct 13, where a bunch of people are trapped in a location and a bunch of evil guys are assaulting from outside. But... They have, like, they're, like, drilling through the glass. Right. The like, impenetrable house. Yeah, there's a shot where, like, that guy from Galaxy Quest, who is, like, one of the scumbags, is, like, throwing a giant rock at a window over and over again. It is not smashing. And, uh, and then another guy is, like, drills through the glass and is, like, trying to reach in to open the door, and they... Someone hits him in the hand or something, so he just gives up. I guess. <laughs> like, does he get hole. drilled in the hand by the stepmom? Yeah, so, yeah. Someone gets drilled in the hand. The Marky Mark's impenetrable body goes through <laughs> the glass that's also impenetrable on the yeah. top floor. Well, like, Maybe this... that impenetrable glass is only on the first floor. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. it really would. Well, but somehow, like, okay, and we also got to jump ahead of the security guard because the security guard, like, what happens is somehow. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch get to the house without the security guard giving them clearance yeah. or even knowing about them. And so after, like, they're attacking the house and someone starts flicking the light and the security guard sees it, he goes down, that's when he gets murdered, and William Peterson is, like, caught during this and is taken hostage by uh, Marky Mark. And so that's how they all get into the house to start, like, basically getting yeah, their they revenge. hostage. And now we get to Toby. Yeah, oh, so the killer. Oh, Toby. Who is that kid? Nobody. Nobody until the even... end. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. I don't think he has a picture on IMDb. Uh, he does. I was gonna say, you mean the actor? He yeah, I don't think he did much. He did this movie, he was like, I'm out. I, <laughs> I killed a dude I've got on enough screen. Fear for well, his, he did like... his pee. Yeah. He did <laughs> anyway, he Toby, the little brother, sneaks out an upstairs window and like, you know, scurries down the drain pipe or something. I don't know. He gets down and gets into the car and backs over one of the scuzz balls. <laughs> yeah. And is able to go and procure help. Yeah, he uses the car phone. Outdated method of But phone. it works. It's true. <laughs> In the meantime, Marky Mark has gone inside and starts terrorizing the family with his the rest of his funky bunch. Yeah. Um, Greaseball, Alyssa Milano's former beau, Starts trying to rape Reese Witherspoon, I think. Reese Ball, yeah. I want to call her. <laughs> <laughs> so, he kind of, I don't know, he has her in her bedroom. Yeah. I don't know where Alyssa Milano is. She's oh, she got knocked him. out. Yeah, knocked out. He knocked her out. He beat her up and knocked her out. Because she tried to jump on his back. Right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, the parents are both tied up. And Reese Witherspoon's kind of just stuck in her room with Grease Ball, who starts getting fresh. And uh, Marky Mark walks in, sees what's happening, and shoots his friend in the head. Yeah. Like, no, that's my woman. Yeah. Like, he's How like, dare you? Which was kind of foretold earlier in the film. He said something along the lines of, like, 
you know, I'll kill anybody who would be willing to hurt you. And so, mm. yeah, there you go. He made it. good on his promise. He actually was a great man. <laughs> You're time. right. <laughs> he was just misunderstood. But, well, he's misunderstood for a moment until he drags Reese Witherspoon's dad into the room and is like, I'm going to kill your dad. Say goodbye. Kiss yeah. him goodbye. Say goodbye, which is weird. Yeah. Throwing in. And then somehow Laura, which is Amy Brenneman. I don't know if it's we've that. Uh, Toby. Again, yeah. oh. the hero of the film, he goes to the dead security guard's body. He sees his right. mom, or stepmom, or whatever she is to him, uh, is Nothing. handcuffed and has tape over her mouth, and she's kind of gesturing at the handcuffs. He goes to the dead security's the, the dead security guard's body like it's nothing. <laughs> right. it oh, for, I know what to do. Raids it for handcuff keys and lets her free. She lets the dad free of his handcuffs while Marky Mark's dealing with Reese Witherspoon, who's, like, crying and whatever. <laughs> and then the father attacks Marky Mark, but is totally ineffective, as yeah. always, because <laughs> Marky Mark's rock-solid bod can take on his dad bod any day of the week. Well, Let the me thing? see you sweat. What was the thing you said about his shoulder blades? <laughs> or was it you? That was you, me. You? I said he could crack walnuts with his shoulder blades. <laughs> Mark walnuts. I don't know why. For some reason, at one point in my life, cracking walnuts was like the height of strength. Whether it was your hands or your back or your arms. And it was like, that was the me measure of... Manliness. They I are hard it. to crack. I mean, usually you have to use like a metal cracker. That's why I don't eat macadamia nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so. Not manly enough. So, Marky Mark's beating up the dad, and then. Reese Witherspoon takes oh, yeah. the. What appears to be some sort of peace pipe <laughs> that Marky Mark had won for her at that <laughs> earlier carnival. Irony. <laughs> and stabs Marky Mark in the back with it. Yeah, she really gets she it. She really there. gets him. But in. he still fucks the dad up so much. Yeah, yeah. and it doesn't end there. No. <laughs> the fight continues. He gets an adrenaline rush and is just fighting the dad more and more, and they're throwing each other against walls, and then another wall, and then another wall, and then and a then, moist wall, and then yeah, uh, the moist fleshy <laughs> the wall, moist fleshy and wall. then <laughs> the dad just somehow gets Mark Wahlberg in a way where he just throws him through <laughs> the window. Like, throws him a good 20 yards. Like, yeah, yeah. Mark Wahlberg goes head out first out the window, does like a front flip, and then lands you know, with, like, a thick thud yeah. on the rocks full outside. Force. deadly full force. That thud. noise so good. And yeah. then the, the five, the five, uh, well, the four family members and Marco, all weeping and beat up and bloody, come in a hug together. <laughs> End of movie. The no, end. Literally the <laughs> end. Like <laughs> credits roll. Like they don't try and wrap it up at all. Well, what There's else no could they resolve? Afterwards. Yeah. That, like he died. Maybe like <laughs> the movie does like another hour about like you guys need to work out your gender issues. Right? <laughs> like, you really gotta get to There's some serious discrepancy between gender roles in your family. Toby was your hero. Yeah, you know what? I was looking at my notes and I wrote down two other things. Where um, Nicole is like very sexualized, uh, or there's like weird sexual tension with her dad. There's so many scenes of her showering. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Now, the movie, I wrote this down, it opens with her showering. It opens with her showering, cut to her and her dad arguing about the way she's dressed. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's that interaction that they have where. He says something like, okay, sweet sugar plum. And he's, she says, 
Okay, sweet nectarine. Like, yeah. they call each other That was pet creepy. Names, yeah. But it didn't happen again. I was, like, waiting for it to happen again, because usually if you have a pet name, you say it more than just once. <laughs> and it never happened again. It was just, like, a weird one-off. Yeah, it seemed like almost like the movie was doing, like, a half-assed, like, trying to set up a half-assed parallel where it's, like, originally, because she was innocent, she has this sort of, like affectionate relationship with her dad and now that she's becoming a woman she's transferring it onto this strange new man like there's a lot of stuff where it's like and that's the most fucked up thing about this movie to me is they really try to make it like a thing that everyone relates to and gets that men are trying to replace other men in women's lives. Like, it seems to, like, happen a lot in a lot of ways. Where, like, Mark Wahlberg wants to replace the dad, but he also wants to replace the friend. But he also has to replace Alyssa Milano's greaseball boy. And, like, that sort of stuff. And to further support that argument, Alyssa Milano, who wants to sleep with everybody and seems to act sexually available to every man in the film... She has no, there's never, they never show any kind of father figure for her. They show her mom, and they imply that she's a single mom, or she's just dating. So the father's totally absent. So Alyssa Milano, so the idea that men are trying to replace each other, she seems like she's just trying to find... Someone to replace her dad. Yeah, Yeah, or something, or just like a man. She makes herself available to everybody. Yeah, really early in this movie, I wrote down, movies like this are the reason somebody invented the Bechdel test. I mean, specifically, Alison Bechdel (laughs) invented the Bechdel test. But, like, because just that opening scene where, like, where, not opening, but when Melissa, Alyssa Milano and Reese Witherspoon are, like, sitting by the pool, and they're like, can you, is this what men want? And they're, like, looking at, like, models in a magazine. But not, they were, like, nude models. Yeah, they, like, they looked like she was flipping through, like, Hustler yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. But then they, they have a whole conversation where literally every part of the conversation is discussing men, like, how men feel about mm-hmm. them, men that they know. <laughs> and it was like, wow. There's, like, there's no point in this movie where women are just, like, human beings with autonomy at any point. She says know? at one point, doesn't it feel good to be wanted? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> do all women feel this? Like, I feel this was a very broad statement about broads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There was a lot of that masculinity competition bullshit. Yeah. I mean, but like I said, that's... That's, that's like, his thing? I feel like James Foley, <laughs> if he sees it in the screenplay, he's like, I gotta do it. Because there's a little bit of that in Fifty Shades Darker, too. Oh, with really? Christian Grey and Anastasia's boss who tries to rape her for no reason. Where, like, there's there's a bunch of this type of weird, like, he really gravitates towards this. And Glendry Glenn Ross is literally just men trying oh, yeah, to one-up each, each other. other right. Yeah, he loves this. And so he saw it and he was like, well, there's women in it, but... I, I don't really but know. interestingly <laughs> enough, it, it like even though it's stupid, it still works. Yeah, we, the movie. Like we all enjoyed the movie. Yeah, it never flags for a moment. No, <laughs> it is no. never I th- dull. Do you think it's because it's so ridiculous? Yeah, partially. Yeah. Yes and no because it's very a believable story. You know, but from perspective that I'm not necessarily like connecting with. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, I can see how this would happen, but <laughs> not, to not me. from a personal <laughs> yeah. view. Yeah. Sure. And these these women aren't like real women at all, but I can't wait to see how they get out of this one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> true, yeah, it's true. really true. Like, especially I was like watching this at the end in that moment where they have the dad at gunpoint, I was just like, I felt like that anger in me where yeah. it's like, how dare they yeah. take Kill over the family? I, like, oh, I know how this is going to play out. Why, yeah. do I, why do I still care? But the movie is so good Compelling. at making me care about this. Yeah. Damn you, Foley. 
Yeah, the directing is really good. Yeah. I, there were some really great shots, like, even when they were by the pool or, you know, when they go to that rave party. It was yeah. many poolside scenes yeah. I'm now going back and realizing. Yeah. But he makes it work. There's certain aspects I'm like, this is totally misogynistic. I should be hating this, but I can't not look <laughs> away at what he's showing me right now. I'm trying to think if there's other movies where I just fundamentally don't agree with how the characters act, but I still love and Excellent. watch the movie. True Lies? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's a perfect example. <laughs> that is like the go-to. <laughs> oh, my God. There is no better creepy offensive movie than True Lies. Wow. But I love True Lies. The gamut that Jamie Lee Curtis runs in that movie. That poor, poor Well, and the daughter is, like, so useless. Isn't the daughter Eliza Dushku in that? Yeah. Yeah. But the key is all the stuff that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger makes. I think it's Alicia Dushku. 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 I think. I don't know. Buffy purists. Not the hell. Yes. Get it right. Five by five. Alright, so anyone that... <laughs> Does anyone have any other little things? Any other little things you want to talk about in this movie? I'm just glad that Bush was a large majority of the soundtrack to this, like as a '90s kid. Yeah, thank is, you for the little things. Thank you for so many aspects. But I just kind of wish that Machine Head was kind of a part of this. I mean, you didn't play Sixteen Stone. Play Machine Head. They should have just bought the rights to all of 16 stuff. Right? Because then we had Glycerin. Like, oh just, my god, Glycerin. Yeah, like, during the fingering scene especially. My god. Shut up and easy <laughs> Right? That's such a titular line there. There's fear in that statement right there. Man, wow. So strawberry feels forever, but like, damn. All right, well then, I guess, do we want to move into our teachable moments? I, I don't so. know if I have one. <laughs> Am I going to start again? <laughs> all right. No, I you can start. All right, good. Courtney. 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 The teachable moments are clearly, listen to your father. And <laughs> if a woman shows any kind of sexual agency, it will only bring bad things to her and those she cares about. Damn. You're that's, talking about movies, right? Classic That's lessons. clearly the lesson of this movie, though. That Or, like, the moral of this story. Yeah. yeah. The walk away. Yeah. Yeah, if you are going to take the movie at face value, it's pretty hard to take a good lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah any, any, no female character in this movie has any agency. And if she does, bad things happen. Yeah. From a male perspective... Kill anyone who wants to date your dog. Because they are probably a psychotic orphan. And according to the movie, all orphans are terrible. So um, kill any orphan who wants to date your dog. And on this note, anyone who's seen the movie Orphan knows that this is... Uh, there's at least two movies that back up this argument. Man, I gotta follow that up. Alright, well, I got one. This is a really good example of how James Foley is a really competent director, more than competent, a really skilled director, even though he has major blind spots, and even with material, 
That is very weak. James Foley does have very bad movies, like Fifty Shades Darker. <laughs> also, Perfect Stranger and Who's That Girl are trash. And but uh, not the the TV show Perfect Strangers. No, no. Uh, <laughs> Tell let's just talk right that because Balky Bartakamus from Mepos is a personal friend of mine, and he's got a lot to teach. Yeah. Doesn't like. He, he is better with women than James Foley is. But you should, if you do watch this movie and are, for whatever reason, trying to learn something from it instead of just trying to watch it for fun, like you really should, um, just appreciate how, how much good directing really uh, can shift a movie. Really? <laughs> like, like, we, there are movies that we have basically said, like, just, like, because they they have no plan for them, even though it's a good, interesting idea, it's still boring, and this is a movie that should be absolute trash and garbage, and is almost entirely redeemed by the directing, because the screenplay doesn't redeem it, and we actually kind of didn't really talk about the acting, because the acting isn't really noteworthy on its own in this movie. I would have to disagree. I feel right. Reese Witherspoon's character was yeah, she's, very believable. She's very good. Awesome. Job. Reese Witherspoon right. is always a great actor. She's I mean, one of my favorites. How old yeah. was she when she made this film? And she like was very believable and she's was. She's forty one now. Ninety six. So twenty twenty one years ago. So she would have been twenty. Even still, twenty yeah. year old actor, like yeah. that's really good. Like she did a great I job. That great. roller coaster scene, especially, I thought she was having an orgasm. Mm. And Mark, um, she handled Mark that. But I've been fooled by orgasms before. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, Marky Mark is giving a very typical Marky Mark performance in this, but he is very amusing. It's like so very amusing. great casting. He's so Marky Mark in <laughs> yeah. this film. It's like one of those things where it's like. You know Keanu Reeves isn't a good actor, but if he's put in the right role, he's Point Break. awesome. Yeah. Point Break, John Wick, uh, stuff like that. And this is a perfect use of Marky Mark. Just like I Heard Huckabee is the perfect use of him or The Departed. Oh, Boogie Nights. I like, want to talk about like <laughs> I Heart Huckabee because that's one of my favorite movies. Marky Mark, check that shit out. Is awesome in that movie. The bonus you know, teachable lesson, I Heard Huckabees, is just one of the greatest yeah. movies ever. Yeah, yeah. it surely is. Yeah. But this movie exemplifies Marky Mark as a really good actor. Maybe he's being himself, maybe he's not. But even still, you I should like fear Marky Mark as I walk away. He's he could be nice though. I like the idea that this is Marky Mark being himself. <laughs> like fear, fear is just him. Walk up. <laughs> That's just him, how he always is. Let me in the fucking house! <laughs> Man, I don't have a teachable moment. Come on. No. Nope. I don't have one. You have nothing you want to share? share? Yeah. Adolescent women? This has no effect on the history of film. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, no. Right. But, I guess... Um, Why should someone watch this movie? Here, okay, I guess here's my teachable moment. Don't watch this movie alone. Watch it with friends. Yeah, I watched it alone. It made me feel really yeah. sick. Yeah, no. Alone, <laughs> this is a different movie. But with friends, it's a fun movie. Yeah. yeah. I would not say that this movie would be that enjoyable by yourself. Unless you're, like, really fucked up. But. <laughs> this is why we had four people review this movie. <laughs> but yeah. I, I I liked this movie, but I just, like, I can't... I'm, I'm all out of teachable moments. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long day. Courtney? I mean, long three weeks of <laughs> podcast recordings. Yeah. 
Yeah. She already did hers. Yeah, she was first. Oh, damn. So I think that's it. I think uh, we have closed the case on fear. We have Truly. nothing left to fear. Period. That fear itself. <laughs> but you should not have fear to fear because it's actually a very enjoyable movie. I second that. Right? Third. Third. Fourth. Fourth. All right. Okay. Well, four people say... Check four it out. Yeah. Four out of five movie viewers enjoy this movie. The fifth is a dog whose head was cut off. And <laughs> this wow. has been The Secret Cinema. <laughs> I'm Paolo. Oh, good lord. I'm Carrie. There. I'm Ricardo. And I'm Courtney. Thanks hey. for listening. Thank thanks. you, guys. Yeah, Thank thanks you for so coming. much. Yeah. And thanks, everybody, for just being you and making this big marble called Earth spin around every single day. God bless you. <laughs> Sincerely, The Secret Cinema. Woo! Bye. The Secret Cinema is produced and edited by Paolo Carone. All theme songs and original music are written and performed by Ricardo Ortiz. Any additional music or samples are taken from the film featured on this week's episode. All logos and artwork are created by Carrie Chafee. You can follow Carrie on Instagram at CarrieSawThis and see more of her artwork at www.CarrieChafee.com. You can watch Paolo's short films at www.Vimeo.com slash or read more of his ramblings about film at www.letterbox.com slash Paolo Erasmus. Follow The Secret Cinema on Instagram at Secret Cinema Podcast, on Twitter at Covert Celluloid, or like us on Facebook. The Secret Cinema is a commentary and criticism podcast, and its use of film dialogue and film music for illustrative purposes falls under the fair use provisions of U.S. copyright law. The Secret Cinema is a product of Larry Lakey Productions. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening.